The Holy Spirit continues to set hearts on fire with the love of Christ and inspire people to bring the good news to a world that is aching to hear it. Welcome to Blazing the Trail, a weekly show dedicated to the church's mission of evangelization. Now, here's your guide on this grand adventure, Catholic singer, songwriter, author, and speaker, Miriam Marston. And welcome back to Blazing the Trail here on Mater Day Radio. My name is Miriam Marston, and once again, I'm grateful to spend this time with you as we hear about how the Holy Spirit is at work in the world today. He's at work here in the Pacific Northwest, just as he's moving hearts and changing lives in the Northeast, which is where we're headed today. My guest, Lorna De Rose, has been serving in the Archdiocese of Boston for a number of years, and more recently, she began a podcast to help highlight the stories of faith from her community. I'm always left with plenty to reflect on when I record interviews with my guests, and as I was preparing this episode, I found myself revisiting this one detail that Lorna shared about her career, specifically what she was doing before working for the church. Much of her professional background is in education, in particular teaching English to speakers of other languages, and it's clear that she loved this work, and she loved learning alongside her students. And we know that language is so important for the building up of relationships and community. You know, as I'm recording this, we're in the Easter season, and at this time of year, I always have my eye on that great feast of Pentecost. And I was thinking of that story that we hear in the Acts of the Apostles, when we hear of the descent of the Holy Spirit upon the Apostles and the extraordinary gifts that were bestowed on the church at that time. We hear in Scripture, when the time for Pentecost was fulfilled, they were all in one place together. And suddenly there came from the sky a noise like a strong driving wind, and it filled the entire house in which they were. Then there appeared to them tongues as of fire, which parted and came to rest on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in different tongues, as the Spirit enabled them to proclaim. Again, that's from Acts chapter 2, and this text came up as I was teaching a class for adult confirmation candidates recently, and to help emphasize the last part of that passage, I asked the question, why do you think the first gift of the Holy Spirit described is the gift of tongues? And one of the participants responded, so they could share the gospel. And it's so true, isn't it, that the good news of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ needed to be shared. There was an urgency to spread the word as quickly as possible. So I guess it's not a surprise that from day one, the Holy Spirit makes it possible to supernaturally share this wondrous and life-changing news. People from all over were hearing the gospel in their own language. And as marvelous as it is to witness the gift of tongues, this can be done in very human and ordinary ways as well. Because the language of faith is also expressed through actions, through works of mercy, through meeting someone where they're at, and being the face of Christ to them in that moment. Think of someone who might be suffering, perhaps uh, from an illness or grieving the loss of a loved one. In those instances, sometimes nothing is said at all, but we can bring the language of the presence of Christ in those moments. The language of an embrace can usher in an evangelizing experience of love for someone who has never known the tenderness of our Heavenly Father. The truth of the gospel can be communicated in so many ways, and my guest shares how her own background in ministry has revealed to her the manifold expressions of God's love in our world. 
So please enjoy my conversation with Lorna, and I'll be back with a brief word on the other side of the interview. I'm joined today by Lorna De Rose, who serves uh, Black Catholics within the Archdiocese of Boston. She's also the host of a podcast called uh, Voices from the Pews. Lorna is married and lives in Boston. Lorna, it's great to have you on the show. How are you today? I'm fine. Thank you so much for having me. Well, I know our paths crossed many years ago when I was working uh, for the Archdiocese of Boston, and it's been great to stay in touch and to hear the different things you've been up to, which I, I hope to hear about a little bit later in our conversation together. But first, Lorna, if you could take us back a little bit. Um, Lorna, where did you grow up? And was the faith something that kind of figured into your environment growing up? Mm. I grew up, um, I, I would say that it was a, you know, a little bit of an interesting story in that, mm. um, I was born in New York, but I spent a good amount of time in Haiti when I was little. Mm. And then, um, at, you know, uh, I came back to the States around school age and was in New York for a while and then came back came back, came to Boston. And mm. I've been living in Boston ever since. Um, and when I think about um, my family, I would say we're a bit of an ecumenical family. Yeah. Because one side of my family was Catholic and the other side was Protestant. Mm. And um, so growing up, I was exposed to both traditions, mm-hmm. which I think it was a blessing because I was able to have a taste of both and appreciate both. Mm. Um, my mom was Catholic and my dad's Catholic. My dad was Protestant. Um, and so on any given Sunday, I would be either at church with one of them or what, you know, my mom going to mass. And then afterwards in the afternoon, my dad, sometimes that would take me to his church. And then after church, they would have choir rehearsal and I would just kind of hang out with my dad for choir rehearsal. And um, perhaps between the two of them, that nurtured my love of music. Mm-hmm. And so I could say that from the time I was maybe 11 or 12, I, I was part of a choir in some shape or form. Awesome. Um, and, but also, um, both of them prayed and they both instilled in me, um, that sense of relying on God and the need for prayer in my life. Um, so I, you know, I have to say that, you know, my parents as my first teachers, um, this was the thing that they imparted to me and others in my family did as well. And, you know, as I'm thinking of this, I'm also thinking of my grand, both of my grandmothers who also were women of prayer. Beautiful. Well, it sounds like it was something that was in the air, in the Mm -hmm. culture growing up. I can relate to the mix. I, Let's see, my mom, a uh, Catholic. My dad uh, became a Catholic later, but mm-hmm. he was Presbyterian until mm-hmm. I was about 19. Um, mm-hmm. So it was a bit a bit of both growing up. Mm-hmm. I love the bit about the choir, Lorna. You know that I, I have a heart for music yes. too. So mm-hmm. that really resonates too. And what a that's a great way to actually grow in our faith too when we have 
um, we see the the beautiful treasury of uh, music and hymns and the different ways that we praise and worship in the church. Mm-hmm. So along the way, Lorna, because eventually you'll make the decision to start working for the church. What was happening before that um, as you kind of, that pathway kind of opened up for you? How did, how did you move down that road? Oh, it was completely unexpected. Hmm. Um, for many years, I was in education. I okay. was a teacher. I taught English to speakers of other languages, which I absolutely loved. And I taught in various settings uh, within mm. Boston, Cambridge, Watertown. Um, taught high school, taught uh, university level, taught at the community level. Um, and I just loved all of it. And mm. it was, you know, there is a saying that says to teach is to learn twice. And it's really true. Because when you are there and helping your students to learn the language and the culture, you're learning right along with them in a sense, because you're helping them to navigate. And it's helping you think about things that you may not necessarily think about within the culture here in the United States. You know, why are things the way they are? Um, And because you have to explain it. Yeah. And and then, you know, um, I have a master's of teaching ESL and, you know, grammar um, became my friend in a sense because I had students at one point because they absolutely wanted to crack the code of English. Mm-hmm. And, you know, English, we may have rules, but we have 20 exceptions to every rule. <laughs> right. So, um, I, it was a great adventure for me. And, um, I think the beauty in that was that I left teaching. It wasn't because I got tired of teaching. It wasn't because I disliked teaching, but it was because I was invited to begin working in the Archdiocese of Boston. Oh, okay. Um, and that happened. Um, I, had been interested in a program that I saw advertised at the archdiocese. And I said, oh, well, I want to know more. So I set up an appointment to meet with the person who was sponsoring the program. And I went and she was very gracious. And she shared with me about the program and uh, the workshop and, you know, the days. And, you know, I talked to her about about some of the needs that I would have being visually impaired. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we, you know, worked that sort out. And she goes, well, do you know that um, the Office for Black Catholics is looking for a director? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I had heard that, but I hadn't considered myself. Well, I think you should apply. Oh, wow. Okay, that's interesting. And so I went home and I talked to my husband and my husband's like, why not? Yeah, go ahead, apply. And he was very supportive. And I got my resume together and a cover letter and sent it in. And I was invited to 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 be interviewed and, you know, went through the interview process. And lo and behold, I was invited to come into the office for Black Catholics. And At that time, it was an independent office, but within the next year, it was folded in 
to what was at that point called the Office of Outreach and Cultural Diversity, which was like the umbrella office. Sure, sure. And, um, you know, um, since then, in some shape or form, um, that's been the ministry that I have been involved in. And I've learned so much from the various communities I've worked with, whether it's been the African-American community with their particular concerns um, and struggles, but also joys, mm-hmm. um, but also um, the Kenyan, the Ugandan, the Nigerian community, right. the um, various Anglo-Caribbean, you know, the English-speaking Caribbean communities, um, yeah. but also the Haitian community as well, which is one of the larger communities within the Archdiocese of Boston. So yeah. I have had a chance to work with and serve these communities, the leaders of these communities, as well as the pastors of the parishes where they're located. Wonderful. Well, for those who are just tuning in, I'm speaking with Lorna DeRose, whose ministry focuses on serving Black Catholics within the Archdiocese of Boston. And Lorna, more recently, you uh, have begun uh, hosting a podcast called Voices from the Pews. And I know that's within, I think, the last six months or so. And I'm wondering if you could share with us how that project began. Well, this project began, and I would say that it began to take shape in my mind and just praying about it and considering it um, during COVID. Um, Mm -hmm. And I was like many people at home, working from home, but also listening to um, various podcasts and watching TV programs. And I thought, you know, I've had these wonderful conversations within my ministry with some amazing people. And I'd love to share some of these conversations with others. So I reached out to some wonderful folks who were helpful to me and you know, listening to me kind of work it out and, you know, helping me to pray about it. And so um, that's how it started. Um, my first episode was just after Easter of mm-hmm. this past year, 2022. But, you know, the year before 2021 was essentially, you know, sorting it out, talking mm-hmm. to people. I had so many folks who were generous with their time. Um, and then also within the MAM program, I used, uh, I did my field ed program with one of the sisters, the daughters of St. Paul. Um, one of the sisters, she kind of helped me to put together, um, you know, a, a plan of how to do this and things to think about, how to pray about it, because I didn't want it just to be a program. I wanted it to be something that's more of a ministry, Mm-hmm. Um, because yes, I'm having a conversation with people, but, um, I wanted it to be something more than just a podcast. I wanted it something that could be a blessing to mm-hmm. everyone who listens, um, because it's yeah. for all of us. And, um, a lot of the people that I'm interviewing are probably voices that we don't hear. They mm-hmm. are from the various ethnic communities within Boston and the United States, I've had the joy of being inter- being able to interview so many interesting people and being able to share it through the podcast. Right. And so you touched on it there, but I did want to ask what the focus of the podcast is and also the audience that you have in mind. Well, what I have been hoping to do is the audience is 
I say Catholics, all Catholics. But the people and the voices that I'm focusing on are people from various ethnic communities Mm -hmm. um, who we probably don't hear. Um, The church is becoming more diverse within the United States. And I thought, you know, I know that these voices are being heard in many places, but I wanted people to hear people's stories, their faith journeys, um, to hear about their particular devotions. Um, Mm -hmm. And I I thought that this would be a way to kind of help us all to see and open our hearts to understand that our the diversity, the beauty of the diversity within our church. Mm -hmm. Well, that's wonderful. And it intersects really nicely with your ministry background as well for the Archdiocese of Boston. So it sounds like you were well sort of poised, so to speak, to to be able to launch this podcast. Um, Are you, uh, I mean, again, you're some months into this, but are there some kind of key themes that you're gleaning from your conversations? What's really coming up to the surface, Lorna, uh, during these conversations? A lot of the journey of faith has been one of the key themes that has been bubbling up. Um, being a missionary, mm-hmm. whether being a missionary who has come from another country mm-hmm. uh, or being a missionary who goes from here to another country to serve. But yeah. that journey of faith, being a disciple, sharing Christ, um, whether mm. it's um, someone who's serving as a priest or um, a, a re- you know, religious or, mm. you know, as a family, a husband and wife who has a couple, um, yeah. you know, they are disciples and how they're living out their faith. Um, so those are some things, those common themes that have been bubbling up um, during my various conversations with people. I love that because it's so, Lorna and I, I have the privilege of of hearing uh, things on, along similar lines on this show as well. And I'm inspired to hear the various ways, really there are countless ways, right, that people respond to God's call in their own lives mm-hmm. and how they've experienced his love. So there's the common thread of faith and discipleship, but my goodness, uh, the way that people creatively respond to that in their own lives is really yes. inspiring. And I, I don't think we ever really run out of material to to share because, you know, the way that God works in people's lives is can be so different. That's um, true. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm just kind of curious, is there any one story you would like to highlight at this point for our listeners? Oh, my goodness. Um, I can't think of just one, but I, mm-hmm. I'll yeah, think of, of a, a couple really quickly. Sure. Um, uh, Our Lady of Guadalupe, one of the mm-hmm. first interviews I did was with Sister Barbara Gutierrez, and she talked about um, Our Lady of Guadalupe mm-hmm. and um, how it, you know, our Lady was the bridge to bringing um, the indigenous people of Mexico to Christ. Mm-hmm. And then thinking about how Our Lady throughout the centuries has been that bridge leading and pointing all of us to her son, yes. Jesus. Um, and then um, I alluded to this before, but um, Paul Albert and his wife, Anna, um, served as missionaries in Haiti 
And, you know, they've come back and they're still serving as missionaries and they're training missionaries. But, you know, talking about how they have been living out their faith. Um, And also, I'm just thinking about another person, um, Sister Mary Caripio, who also used to work with the Archdiocese of Boston, whose vocation to religious life was born in a rainstorm in Louisiana. Love it. So those are just some of the few. And I can't say that those are the best conversations, but those are the ones that I'm thinking of right now. Um, All of them have been wonderful in their own particular way. Oh, that's beautiful. Um, Lorna, we've got a, a few minutes left and, um, I, just two questions that come to mind. First of all, uh, have there been any saints or prayers that you have found yourself maybe gravitating towards in these recent months with starting the podcast, kind of discerning where your ministry goes next? Who are you turning to these days? Uh, turning to, uh, two of them I think of, mm-hmm. uh, Sister Thea Bowman. Mm-hmm. Um, I just have appreciated her boldness. And I think one of the things that she says is that she brings herself her whole self to the church. Mm-hmm. And so that has encouraged me, you know, to bring myself, my gifts and offering them to God through the church and through the podcast. Mm-hmm. But then the other one is Pierre Toussaint. Mm-hmm. And his, he and his wife, they're opened their homes, opened their hearts in their works of charity in New York during the 19th century. Mm. And, um, their love of their faith and the love of the church. And, um, considering that they were both from Haiti, they were both slaves. Um, they could have been bitter. They could have been angry, but yeah. Taking that and working through that, but yet saying, I will serve, I, you know, and, and going beyond that, um, and helping to build the first cathedral and, and being that, you know, one of the people to begin Catholic charities in New York. I, I, I am just amazed by that. Mm. That's Um, beautiful. Yeah. mm -hmm. Lorna, where would listeners go to learn more about uh, your, your own work and the podcast? Uh, we're on Facebook, Facebook page, Voices from the Pews on Instagram, at Voices from the Pews. Um, we've just started a Facebook group, Voices from the Pews podcast, so you can find us as well. Um, and we're just, I'm working with someone to... Um, revamp my uh, website so i'm hoping that within the next three weeks that our new website will launch and that'll be voicesfromthepews.com well, lorna that is great to hear uh well i it's been a joy to catch up with you and to have this conversation and i just ask that god continue to bless you your family and the good work that you are doing to build up the kingdom of god thank you Oh, Miriam, thank you. And I pray that God will continue to bless you and this ministry. And it was a joy to be on the show with you today. Thank you, Lorna. God bless you. God bless you. 
Lorna shared how she spent time in Haiti, and I know her heart is very close to the people of Haiti, so I wanted to end this episode with a few words from the official 2023 Easter message from Pope Francis, where he includes a special prayer for the Haitian people. Here are some excerpts from that Easter address. Let the church and the world rejoice, for today our hopes no longer come up against the wall of death, for the Lord has built us a bridge to life. Christ is risen. He is truly risen. In this traditional proclamation of the churches of the East, the word truly reminds us that our hope is not an illusion, but the truth and that in the wake of Easter, humanity's journey, now marked by hope, advances all the more readily. The first witnesses of the resurrection show this by their example. The Gospels speak of the haste with which, on the morning of Easter, the women ran to tell the disciples. Mary Magdalene ran and went to Simon Peter, while John and Peter himself then ran together to the place where Jesus had been buried. Later, on the evening of Easter, after meeting the risen Lord on the road to Emmaus, two disciples set out without delay and traveled several miles uphill and in the dark, spurred on by the irrepressible joy of Easter that burned in their hearts. The same joy that led Peter on the shore of the Lake of Galilee after catching sight of the risen Jesus to leave the boat with the others to throw himself immediately into the water and to swim quickly towards him. At Easter, then, the journey quickens and becomes a race, since humanity now sees the goal of its journey, the meaning of its destiny, Jesus Christ, and is called to make haste to meet him who is the hope of the world. Let us make haste to surmount our conflicts and divisions and to open our hearts to those in greatest need. Let us hasten to pursue paths of peace and fraternity. Let us rejoice at the concrete signs of hope that reach us from so many countries, beginning with those that offer assistance and welcome to all fleeing war and poverty. At the same time, along this journey, we also encounter many stumbling blocks, which make it more difficult and demanding to hasten towards the risen Lord. To Him, then, let us make our prayer. Lord, help us run to meet you. Help us to open our hearts. Turn your gaze to Haiti, which has long experienced a grave social, economic, and humanitarian crisis, and support the efforts of political actors and the international community to seek a definitive solution to the many problems that afflict that sorely tried people. Brothers, sisters, may we rediscover the enjoyment of the journey, quicken the heartbeat of hope, and experience a foretaste of the beauty of heaven. Today, let us summon the energy to advance in goodness towards goodness itself, which never disappoints. If, as one of the ancient fathers once wrote, the greatest sin is not to believe in the power of the resurrection, today let us believe and profess Christ is truly risen from the dead. We believe in you, Lord Jesus. We believe that with you, hope is reborn and the journey continues. Again, that is from Pope Francis's 2023 Easter message to the world. And I echo the Holy Father's prayer that we may rediscover the enjoyment of the journey and that we are each filled with hope as we advance towards God, who is goodness itself. 
Thank you so much for tuning in. Again, my name is Miriam Marston, and I hope you'll join me next week as we continue to reflect on the importance of the church's mission of evangelization. Until then, stay well and stay close to Christ. God bless you all. You've been listening to Blazing the Trail, a weekly show dedicated to the church's mission of evangelization. For more information on Miriam Marston and her work, plus an archive of our past shows, visit us online at matradayradio.com or download the Hail Mary Media app. Blazing the Trail is produced at the studios of Matraday Radio in Portland, Oregon.